Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 41. Sorry, episode 41 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today, we're going to talk about the use of hunter harvest in managing wild animals. Researchers wanted to know what the difference was in the success of a hunter, what made them more successful than everybody else, and all those who are not successful also want to know. So this may be interesting to those or those looking to improve their outcome each year to give them a little better percentage. Populations need to be controlled. Depends on whose point of view, but generally in wildlife management, you are there managing a population, you're trying to get it to grow, and once it becomes too large, you want to reduce that population for one reason or another, whether it's social issues, they're coming down causing damage or just creating problems, nuisance, or is there habitat destruction? One of the easiest ways that you can do that is through hunter harvest. And not everybody is successful. It's just the way it is. It depends on where you go, but the hunt statistics are located. Uh, each state is required to post them. And so you can find out for the areas that you hunt what hunter harvest is. Usually it seems to be somewhere around 15 to 18%, not very high. So they looked at what was the what were the things that were making hunters successful versus those that were unsuccessful they had three different hunts that they monitored uh, one was an archery elk another was a rifle deer and then a rifle elk and they were five-day hunts they had gps units on 340 people and they sent them out and then they watched what they did where they focused to see if uh they could figure out what makes somebody successful and somebody not successful. One of the interesting things that I came away from this study is uh, if you look at the land use data, the core areas that the successful and unsuccessful used. And when you look at the successful, their areas were a lot smaller. They were more concentrated and they focused more on certain individual spots versus the unsuccessful. Looks like the unsuccessful people came across something, they didn't see anything, so they moved to another location and their overall footprint in the area was massive. Even though it was within the same area and the same, the same five-day window, if you look at the data, the unsuccessful just moved a lot more. They said some of this was uh, due to the, um, before the hunt started, that a lot of these successful hunters had gone in and done a little bit of scouting beforehand, so they were more familiar with the area. They also look at um, that they were more likely to uh, understand the habitat requirements for each of these animals. So on archery, the elk, they preferred locations that were further distances from roads. So those elk hunters looked in areas that were further from roads and they spent a little bit more time in those areas, not moving as much. 
thing I found interesting about this study is uh, down at the bottom of the study, they talk about the probability of a successful hunter and an unsuccessful hunter being in the same area. For archery elk, it went between 26 to 41% of the time. Uh, rifle deer, the highest value was for 2011 and 50%. But then the majority of the time, it was down in the teens and in the 20s. Rifle elk, the highest was 50% in one year. And then the rest was between 04 and 03 And so if you look at this, they're spending... The successful hunters are spending roughly 50% of their time in areas that unsuccessful hunters are not. So the, the difference is, what are they looking at? Or are people just too impatient and they're moving around too much? Uh, the one thing that we like to joke around here um, where I hunt at is you see all these people on their side-by-sides they bring in their hundred thousand dollar trucks hundred thousand dollar trailers and then their fifty thousand dollar side-by-sides to go hunting and then they come on up unsuccessful so are people spending too much time on roads but that's not necessarily a bad thing roads are a conduit into an area but once they get into that area how are you utilizing uh that space um, the other thing that was interesting about this is they talked about uh, the overall area that successful hunters had versus the different type of weapon. And successful hunters obviously had a lot smaller areas if they were in archery versus rifle. And it just breaks down to the different type of weapons that they were using. The difference in space use was crazy, though. The amount of of land or area covered by unsuccessful hunters versus uh, successful hunters. In the elk rifle, unsuccessful hunters averaged covering an area of 1,178 hectares, or 16% of the entire area. That's massive. In this uh, successful archers category, they averaged 104 hectares versus the unsuccessful, which covered 681 the difference that these successful and unsuccessful hunters had was once successful areas found an area, they honed in on that area and they were persistent at staying in the area. They understood the habitat a little better and they just knew it better. I remember uh, working at a check station once and uh, you hear it all the time. Every time you're working at a check station, somebody's coming in, they're either excited or they're just upset. A uh, gentleman came in and said that he had driven across the entire area and hadn't seen a dang thing. And it just kind of always stuck with me. Why don't you stop? Why don't you get out in glass? Why don't you just do anything but drive 50 miles an hour? I think a lot of times people buy these really expensive side-by-sides and they have to justify their use. And so they just pin it to win it. If you have people around you who are successful consistently, not just once every 10 years, but they're consistently finding animals, getting in on those stocks and putting animals down, it'd be best to just pick their brain, ask them questions, um, but not just overall questions like what area or what canyon did you go into? It needs to be more 
refined? What led these people to pick the exact things that they pick for? There's a bunch of uh, hunting shows and there's a bunch of different guides out there and they all talk about different things that they look for. Randy Newberg is one of those guys. When uh, when you listen to him talk, he's always talking about when he's hunting elk, look for the burns. So he has a very distinct thing that he is looking for, and it can be pinpointed. And there's multiple apps, multiple maps that you can look at to find those burns in those areas. But that's exactly what he's looking for. He's looking for those areas that have had recent burns within the last couple of years. They're experiencing high amount of growth. And then you talk to somebody else and they're looking at something completely different. So talk to these people, get a general idea. I guarantee if you put it all together, having these conversations and you don't need to, I think it's offensive when you ask people, what is the exact Canyon that you're hunting? Instead of asking that exact Canyon, ask them the type of terrain they're looking for. Ask him if they have a, a are you a mile from water, half a mile, how far is cover? And if they can explain it in words, a lot of the times they may not even know what they're looking for. But if you can pick their brain, it'll help you be more successful as you better understand the habitat and the movement of these animals. All right, hope this helps. You guys have a great day. Stay wild.